Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com, joined by my partner and CEO and founder of Startups.com, Will Schroeder. Will, this is becoming a refrain that I'm getting tired of repeating, but we are still in the middle of the whole COVID thing. Work from home is on everybody's mind. Um, actually, escaping work from home might be on people's <laughs> mind now. This, is, this has been an interesting turn of events. Everybody that wanted to work from home is now forced into it. And they're not sure anymore. Um, but one of the questions that this this brings to bear is, you know, there's been a case for a long time that, you know, there's density, there's there's a lot of things that go on in big cities that can be important for startup companies. And now that people are being forced into a work from home situation, that, that discussion is being revisited with fair frequency. Um, and if you're not going to have that same kind of density, you're not going to have that same physical proximity is it still better? Was it ever still better? You know, what are the pros and cons of, of being in a big city at this point? Well, I think it's interesting because part of the pros of being in a big city and, and, uh, we'll give some background here as to kind of, you know, our experiences living uh, home and abroad and all the, these other places. But part of the advantage is the fact that there's a high density of people that, you know, you could work with, hire, uh, meet, et cetera. Uh, but what if they're not there anymore? <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> um, or or what if the congregation factor, ergo even having an office, you know, all of a sudden goes away? Um, and and it's happening again. This this will be a very dated uh, uh, newscast here. But you know, Twitter announced yesterday that uh, they're not going to require people to ever come back to their office. And yep. so, yeah, you know, strong move. Strong move in 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 an irreversible one. You try telling thousands of people that they have to come back. Just kidding, you know, right. <laughs> it can be done, but <laughs> lots of luck. Uh, uh, this is kind of a, a one way decision. But regardless, um, I think it begs the larger question, and I want folks to, when they're listening to this, actually see that the the genesis of this discussion and this thought process was really around: is it better to live as a startup, as a founder? in a major city or in a tier two, tier three city, or, you know, no city at all. And I, I think it's worth, Ryan, you and I kind of chatting a little bit, you know, kind of opening up about our experiences, uh, you know, where where we came from, kind of how we've tested this. You know, you're in Guatemala. You are testing a very different version of, of being remote <laughs> than, than, yes, uh, than I am. Uh, so l- let's start with with kind of your current situation and some of the things that drove you there as it would relate to trying to figure out where to locate, you know, in leading a company? Yeah, I mean, man, for me, it was uh, it was a multifaceted decision. And, you know, over the last 20 years of life, I've, I've lived in four different countries and, and lots of different cities. Uh, so there's definitely just kind of a built-in wanderlust for me. And that's a big part of it. I just like to, I like to experience different things. But, um, you know, as we, as we settled into startups.com, you know, we were, what, five years in, uh, when I made the decision uh, that I didn't want to be in Columbus anymore, and it wasn't really about Columbus at that point, it was uh, it, w- it was a very uh, very specific thing that drove that decision, and that was you know I we've talked about this before in another episode, but uh, yeah yeah my health I I needed to not be in the in the cold dry climate of of Ohio and the super hot humid uh, summer climate of Ohio. Um, and, and we made that decision and it was tough. I mean, like I, you know, leaving the office at that point, um, as we were in, you know, kind of the middle of, of a big growth trajectory, 
Um, you know, about nine months prior to that, we had acquired Zirtual. And so there was a lot going on. Um, but I was at the end of my rope from a health standpoint, needed to do something. And, and that was what initiated. So we, we first went from Columbus um, to Tampa, Florida, St. Pete was where we were. Um, but still like a, a pretty vibrant, I mean, I would say it's, it's very much in line with, with Columbus, Ohio in terms of population, um, in terms of kind of what's going on from a startup standpoint. So it was a geographic shift, but in terms of amenities and all that, not entirely different. Okay. Uh, some personal level amenities, like being able to go out in my kayak and go fishing. Yes. Right. Um, but in terms of overall lifestyle and like kind of the, the access to being plugged into a tech community was more or less a wash, right. Between Columbus and, and the Tampa Bay area, uh, roughly the same, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have any, any big right. perceptiveness. Yeah. Let me make one small uh, uh, point there. Would you say it's safe to say that other than maybe, and, and I'm stretching here, 10 major cities, it kind of doesn't matter which city you live in. You, you know, And even within those 10, unless you're in New York, SF, LA, or Boston, uh, and I'm not knocking Chicago or, or Austin, you know, all, all great cities, and, and you can add them to the 10 or arrange them any way you want. I don't have a strong preference. Yep. Um, every other town is pretty much the same, right? I mean, there's... There's there's marginal differences, but not like this is going to change your career differences. Right. Let, let me say yes to that, but with with a fairly heavy caveat, and that's the the caveat there is within the U.S. Right. And I and I think that is an important distinction. Oh, I'm just talking a, the U.S. You know, just talking the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, but for for purposes of this discussion, um, you know, let's let's look a little beyond that. And let's say in the U.S., yes, I can agree wholesale that like once you're out of the top ten. Um, unless you're just not in a city at all, right? If you're in a, in a second or third tier, doesn't change that much. Um, but the right. minute you get outside the U.S., things can change very significantly. Um, even if you're sure. in a large city, you may not have the same access to an entrepreneurial circle or, or people doing tech-type things or startup mentality. Uh, that can change really quick. Um, and, and so I, I, and I can speak to that one, right? I came to a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, city. Um, but it is not what you would call a hotbed of technology or startups. Uh, there are a fair number of digital nomads here and some entrepreneurs doing really cool things. So it's not, um, I, I didn't step into the void, uh, but it is, it is not the same thing as a Tampa, Columbus, and certainly it's not a Chicago, a San Francisco, New York. Um, so yeah, I, I can, I can certainly, you know, agree to that. Um, and so, and that's, that's where, you know, the journey is taking me to now we're, we're outside the U S we're, we're living in Antigua, Guatemala, um, and, and enjoying a lot of that. And, and while there was a, you know, a, a step down in terms of access to other founders, um, you know, being geographically proximal to me, uh, there were a lot of other benefits that came along with it. And I don't want to jump too far ahead because I think we're going to talk about that a bit later in the show in terms of sure. what are some of these, these deltas and what are some of the things, you know, what are the, the pros and cons? Um, but yeah, current situation is we're, we're outside the U.S. We're definitely not in a tier one, two, or even three city um, in terms of availability of, of kind of, uh, you know, other founders operating at the same level, thinking about the same kind of things. There are plenty of entrepreneurs here, but they're solving different types of problems. So it's, uh, it's been eye-opening. For sure. Well, sure, and I think that um, for for entrepreneurs, uh, both in big cities and outside of big cities, I constantly see them asking the same question. 
The folks outside of big cities are saying, had I moved to insert your big city, maybe my opportunities would have been better, particularly when you're talking about things like raising capital, et cetera. And by the way, the answer is yes. Of course, it would have been better. You'd have had more shots on goal. Um, There's an argument that I think we should talk about, about whether or not talent is or isn't more accessible. And we can kind of dig into that. Uh, Folks in big cities historically were thinking, hey, I made it to the big city. Um, You know, this is where all the opportunities are. I must be in the right place. I think that part of the assurance is starting to break, you know, to give to give some background there. Uh, I grew up in uh, Southern Connecticut. So we were right outside New York City. And for first 20 years of my life, New York was the only city that I knew. Um, so right. you know, all my friends were there, etc. Um, then I moved to the Midwest. And then after that, I moved really for the last 10 years uh, to California between Los Angeles and uh, San Francisco. And having had a taste of, you know, both coasts and, and a little bit in between, Here's here's what I can say with with a fair amount of certainty, given my own experience. There's no question that if if you if you exist in a big city, uh, especially if you're active, you have to take in the city, you have to show up at the events, you you, know, you have to work the yeah, city. Yeah. Um, the opportunities are just extraordinary. Um, my entire network was built, you know, the the, the value part of my network uh, in big cities. It just uh, there's all the connected people are there. It's kind of that simple. There's there's no way around it. That doesn't necessarily mean, however, that you have to have those connections to build a business. Your business may have yep. nothing to do with you know, the local connections that are there. Uh, what I did discover, though, during the same time, and this is the last 10 years, let's say, between Los Angeles and, uh, and San Francisco, more so in San Francisco, people are trying to figure out how to get out. Um, and not all of them. You know, Some people love it. And, and again, I'm not knocking the cities at all. What I'm trying to point out, though, is it's expensive. It's crazy, crazy yeah. expensive. And most people, no matter how well they do, Ryan, are never, ever, ever going to truly be able to afford those cities properly. And I think in your 20s, you're okay with that, right? You know, if you have a little bit of hardship, you had nothing a minute ago, so it's not that big of a delta. But boy, once you get into your 30s and beyond, the point where a lot of folks are either planning families, but if they're not planning families, they're just kind of settling into their world. And you come to the realization that you can't afford to. That's a huge issue. And it's a startup issue because it's a founder issue. All of my friends in, in LA and SF, uh, even the ones that have done you know fairly well for themselves, complain about the same thing. And they all say the same thing. You know, if I took the amount of money that I'm spending on wherever I'm living right now and went literally anywhere else, I would live like a king. Yep. <laughs> right? So so there's no one that hasn't had that thought process. What's changed dramatically, and this is why we're talking about it in the last you know month or two, is now you just might have to or said differently, like, let's take Twitter. It sort of doesn't matter where you live because you're not going into an office anyway. You can still say, well, I'm still going to make the connections, et cetera. But bear in mind that a lot of people are never going to go back to an office. And so the value proposition of density, of huddling around the center of a city, is about to be unwound. And, and, I, and I think it's worth saying, what was the you know, pros and cons uh, before all this went down? Yeah, I think it's interesting. If you look at the trajectory of this whole thing, right? If you go back in time, when the density started to form, there was definitely a, a golden age in which... Places like San Francisco and New York represented an outsized value 
right? Where you all of a sudden had this density, had all these people working on all these cool things and everything just sort of made sense to be there. But then the costs caught up with it, right? And, and at some point those leveled out, right? And now, yeah, you get an increased benefit in being in a big city, but it comes at an increased cost. One of the things I realized at some point was that my, my big city connections, my big city network we're good at solving problems that were specific to being in the big city. If you weren't inside the big city, you actually didn't need that network, right? Like, yeah, it's easier to raise capital if you're, if you're, you know, on the West coast, you also probably need to, right? I realized that, you know, when I was asking uh, questions of my big city, big city friends and, and big city network, it was like, well, man, I, I can't, I can't find a developer for less than 200 K. Can you help me figure this out? If I was anywhere else, I didn't have that problem. Right? So I didn't need it. Ryan, I want to build on that a bit because this is this yeah. is all part of the same kind of compounding issue. Uh, when I was building a company in LA, um, and, and we were hiring developers, and this is you know circa two thousand seven was the first one that I built in LA. Uh, the, the average developer was going to cost me between one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. Now, money that's actually a pretty long time ago, and that was still a fair amount of money back then. And it wasn't for that great of a developer. You know, I'm, not, I'm not knocking developers. I'm just saying, like, you know, that wasn't like, oh my god, we're going to pay a huge premium f- for the developer. It's just, you know, st- standard developer. Right. You weren't pulling a CTO off of a of a Fortune 500 company, right? This was just a no, 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 no. I was pulling a line level developer with six years of experience, kind of right. Um, and and I remember thinking at the time, what a huge strain this is on my business. Because now I'm paying such an increased rate for this person. Mind you, prior to that, I was hiring people in, in Ohio, obviously, a bunch of different salary band. But here's the shitty part for them. Even with that you know, huge salary relative to me, those salaries certainly gone, gone up since then, um, they're not living that well. Right? I mean, exactly. That's what was killing yep. me. It'd be one thing if I was paying all this extra money and they were, and I, and I could see their lifestyle change dramatically and improve dramatically. And we've seen that you know, for folks at startups.com now where they're getting really well paid, but they're also living in markets where they can enjoy, you know, that compensation and and they're really living well. There's nothing that sucks more than paying massive salaries to folks who you know are going home with three roommates because they (laughs) they can't afford their own place. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, But but, but let me me just, if you you will, let me just add to that a little bit more. Uh, if, if all you're talking about is 20-somethings who, who are living in apartments, um, and I'm not saying 20-somethings don't deserve houses like everyone else does. Uh, what I'm saying is it's, you know, it's a little bit more tenable. When those same folks get a little bit older, they start families, and they need more space. They need their own space. Yep. And, you know, they need um, more space. And they realize that they can't afford it. That creates so much strain for us as founders and as the leadership of a company because we're going to lose them to another company. There's nothing we can do about it because we, you know, our economics are what they are. Um, And at the same time, we know the next person we bring in is just going to recycle the same problem. And so you really start to, Ryan, you touched on this. You said, Hey, those cities weren't as expensive before. They were always expensive, but they're peak expensive now. Yeah, you're paying a premium for it. You're you're absolutely paying a premium. I would argue that the costs, in so many cases, have now outstripped the benefit. I mean, I think even three or four years ago, I might not have said the same thing. But I think in in you know coming into this year, I think I already would have been saying that. And certainly now, as we start to look at this major shift towards work from home, um, and and you know, kind of going fully remote with some of these large companies making these declarations that people are never going to come back to an office, at least for now. 
um, I, it's it's definitely changed that. And I think you're you're paying a premium that far outweighs the benefits. Well, it, it occurred to me as we we're talking through this, we have several times touched on the fact that you know growth for the sake of growth is is not necessarily healthy. And it occurred to me there's a parallel here, which is that having all this density and having this massive network and having the availability of funding and having the availability of people is great. But like, how much density do you actually need? Right? Are you just saying like, well, I just want it. So I have it. Okay, cool. But if you're paying a premium for that, whether you use it or not, right, you wouldn't rent a five bedroom uh, apartment in San Francisco uh, to live by yourself in one out of the room, uh, one of the rooms, right? You wouldn't do that, right? Um, and so, if you're paying a premium for all these other network effects and and availability of capital and availability of talent that you don't actually need or, or or aren't going to tap into, you're wasting your time and your money, big time. Agreed. Right? And and that's another aspect of this we haven't even touched on yet. You were talking about the fact that you know, like you know, your your entire network in in LA was basically saying the same thing, which is that you know, it's everybody's complaining about the cost. Um, the other major one that I hear is how much time people waste in those cities. San Francisco less so because it's, I mean, it's just such an anomaly from a geographic standpoint. It's so compressed. Was it six square miles? Eight. Right? Eight. Eight square miles. There's only six of them that I care about, apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the I can, I can do away with the tenderloin. Um, so the, uh, but, but in LA, you've got this sprawling metropolis where people are spending two and a half hours each way on their commute, right? And that is a major life cost. Uh, and you're paying the cost premium, right? So it's like, what are you doing? Right. Do you need that? Do you want that? How much is that benefiting you at that point? I think these are all really, really important to consider. How much am I willing to pay for these, these you know, supposed benefits um, in terms of, of actual cash and, and time and quality of life? And it's, it's getting harder and harder to justify in my mind. Here's why I think this is such a, a fascinating time to be having this thought process. The whole world was just forced to try out work from home. Yep. Right? There's no version where Twitter was going to tell thousands of employees three months ago to all just stay at, stay at home. Right? Right. Right. And, and, and now they're saying you can stay at home forever. I'm not saying everyone's going to do that. I'm not. What I am saying, though, is there's no way to reverse what just happened. There's no way to reverse the fact that everyone got a taste of what this value proposition looks like. And it's going to fundamentally change so many things. Here's a, here's a great example. For all of the folks that right now are working from home, from their tiny apartment in big city, they're, they're so tired of it, right? They're cooped up. Uh, the city itself is going to be dangerous for a long time, what have you. And so they say to themselves, for the first time, it's entirely feasible that I can take this job and go somewhere remote like that I've always wanted to go. Uh, and live in the mountains if I want to, and do the same job. Yeah. And what happens is, the moment you hop on Zillow, and you see what your money gets you <laughs> somewhere else, yep. and you're like, holy shit, you know what it was going to take for me to ever get anything remotely close to this in the city that I'm in? So what's happened is, and again, it's it's not wholesale, but it's going to be dramatic. We, for the first time, decoupled location, compensation, and outcome, Right. And and that's why I think comparing the value prop of founders living in big cities right now uh, to living in a tier two or smaller or remote city is such an important discussion because I think the value prop the the the, the reason it was worth bearing the cost uh, back in the day was because the opportunities were great, but yep. now we're kind of taking that off the table, 
And so you, you got to start asking yourself. That's the thing. The opportunities may not even exist anymore. Even, even when they did exist, I think we were getting to the point where the, the cost was becoming prohibitive. If the opportunities don't even exist anymore, if you're not going to have that same kind of osmotic effect because people aren't going to be in offices together, they're not going to be in public places together, then the benefits go away. Then I think this becomes a, a, uh, a mass exodus at some point. I mean, and then, of course, you'll see costs correct. And there's going to be people who like living in some of these areas for other reasons. Um, and, and that'll be exciting. It'll be great to see people go back to San Francisco because they want to live a San Francisco lifestyle. Um, they like the dining scene. They like the walkability. Um, they like something about the city other than the fact that this is where my $225,000, uh, uh, job is, um, along with my $180,000 a year, uh, apartment, right? <laughs> so yeah, I think, right. I think we'll see some interesting shifts, man. Well, here's the big thing though. <clears throat> if folks start to say, Hey, um, I don't need to be physically here or in proximity in order to get my job done. I got to say, there are a lot of people that would more than you know would love living in another city if if they could just keep their salary. Now, obviously, I think salaries come down a bit here, right? Because I, I think you know we're we're not maintaining the same uh, office. Uh, we don't need to drag people that center of gravity, if you will, um, toward high you know high expense uh, living situations. But regardless, um, what happens when you go to some of the, the major cities? is the cost of living is so extraordinarily high that it goes beyond what you could ever possibly earn to have a comparable living situation anywhere else, right? Back in, uh, boy, this is like late 90s, early 2000s, when we were growing the agency, <clears throat> we were hiring as fast as we could. We hired about 250 people in our first uh, year of growth. Yep. And most of the people were coming from uh, Madison Avenue agencies. What we would do, because we we're trying to get them to go to Columbus, Ohio, and it's such a tough sale. I didn't even know where it was. I didn't know where it was when I came from the East Coast. So uh, <laughs> I can appreciate the issue. What we would do, though, is we'd have folks come in and fly them in. And before we even went through like a, a detailed part of the job interview, you know, we did the first couple passes, we just sent them out with a realtor and said, just look at what your money could buy you right now. Making you know the same amount you're making now. We're even going to pay you more, but making the same amount and, and they look at their their place in Manhattan versus a place in Columbus, Ohio, and they're looking at each other. You know, the 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 uh, the spouse is looking at each other, saying, "What are we even doing? Like, there's no way we'll ever own something like right. this." We just bought a house with our bagel budget while we were you know while we were out with the realtor. We just decided to pick one up, and then they come back and finish the interview. Right? It's it, yeah. it's hard to overlook. It goes the other way too. Um, when my wife and I were um, living in in Los Angeles. Um, you know, very expensive housing market. Uh, we ended up moving to Beverly Hills, which is like <laughs> the most expensive housing market. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and uh, one of the things we could never get over is uh, the the juice was never worth the squeeze. You know, you know. Obviously, we ended up uh, moving away, but yep. uh, on average, to to give folks a, a perspective, folks that aren't from there, you know, not in the U.S., etc. Um, the housing cost there uh, for a lot of the houses was somewhere around two thousand dollars a square foot. $2,000 a square foot, right? Square so $2 foot. million dollars yeah. for a 1,000 square foot house. Um, in Columbus, Ohio, which is a very typical tier two city, you're at $200 a square foot. So right. you're talking 10x difference. 5% the cost. It's insanity. Yeah. And that's how most of the country works. And heck, Columbus, yep. you know, uh, as it relates to Ohio, is more expensive than the perimeter areas around Columbus, right? So it goes down from there. 
Um, and there's a few cities in the middle, like, you know, in Austin, et cetera, that, that, you know, it's kind of straddled the line. They've got some more expensive product, less expensive product. But other than a few major cities, New York's just as bad. San Francisco's even worse. Um, it, the, the cost of trying to get a, a house, so a 2,500 square foot house in, in LA, not every part, but the parts we were looking at, was about $5 million. How many people are ever going to be able to afford a $5 million house? Now, you take that down a notch and you say, okay, well, you don't need a $5 million house. You need a $1 million house. Try finding a million dollar house uh, that has any level of safety attached to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and my point is, <clears throat> a million dollar home should be a palace in almost anywhere else in the country. And certainly when you leave the country, and Ryan, you can talk to this, a million yep. dollar home is a palace. Now, I'm not saying people should be able to afford million-dollar homes. I mean, I still think that's a huge luxury. What my point is, in for what folks were making to barely get by in a big city, they could live in a palace and never have to worry about buying a house again pretty much anywhere else. And now, with what's just changed... That's actually feasible. You can have your cake and eat it yep. too. You can get big, you know, a big city job uh, in it with small city costs. And I think it's it's a huge game changer. It is. I mean, and it's going to have major implications for these tier two and three cities. Uh, the the economies there will now have the benefits of people with salaries that wouldn't have been sustainable in those markets. And of course, salaries will adjust down as people move out of these areas um, and companies realize they can they can get away with with normalizing salaries. That'll happen. Um, but it's not going to, they're not all of a sudden going to say like, well, you moved to Columbus, we're going to pay you a Columbus salary. They're going to take some of those salaries with them, right? Right. And that's going to have a major, major impact. Of course, it's going to have a major impact on the, on the tier one cities uh, to the negative, right? Uh, in, in a lot of cases, they're going to have to normalize down. Correct. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, and I don't see this as being a, a trend that reverses, right? Of course, we could, we could say uh, that, you know, these things are, are too hard to backpedal. Um, but look at open office, for example, that was a big thing for a while. And then, then they, they sort of proved that open office wasn't, uh, wasn't necessarily a, a conducive environment to work in a lot of cases. And, and people backpedaled on that. Um, you know, there were companies up until I'm trying to remember who was the big one, Will, that, um, they, they backed off their work from home policy. Was it Amazon? There was uh, somebody, there was somebody middle of last year, uh, basically kibosh the work from home thing. Obviously that's gone the other direction again now. So these things can change. Um, but I don't see it being a major shift. There are benefits to the companies as well, right? Think about paying for office space for a thousand people in San Francisco. It's sickening, right? What you're Off paying the charts for that. expensive. Off the charts. Yeah. And so what I like in all of this, what's really interesting to me is this concept of if everyone's kind of feeling good about work from home, uh, remote work, et cetera, why don't we reorganize uh, our presence in a big city. So maybe only 10 or 20% of our staff, uh, maybe including ourselves, maybe, uh, are in the big yeah. city. But we deliberately move everyone else um, to, to other cities or hire uh, you know, elsewhere in the country. Now, there's going to be an argument that says uh, all the best talent it migrates to big cities. To be fair, that's mostly true, uh, uh, just because that's where the opportunities are. What I'm pointing out is that's also where things That's may be change. about to change. Right. Um, th there are a fair amount of people for any number of reasons who are going to say, look, you know, I, I love San Francisco, uh, but I'd like to live maybe an hour away from it, <laughs> you know, from, from a yep. lifestyle standpoint, traffic standpoint, you name it. Um, 
Whereas before, if I was going to work at Twitter, I had to commute to the office, so I had to be parochial in some way. Right, right. There's other folks that are just going to say, look, I love Oregon. That's just kind of, you know, that's what I'm feeling. Or, or, or I want to ski all the time, right? I want to live in Vail. Um, whereas before those opportunities didn't exist, I think that's going to change significantly. And I think as founders, we can look at this and say, oh, this is fantastic. Um, I can basically, like I said, if, if I feel strongly about the connections I can make in a big city, uh, and they do exist, even though people may move around and shift, you know, the cities are still going to have a, a baseline of connections. Um, uh, then I, I can create my, my initial presence there, but I can focus exclusively on hiring elsewhere, which is what we did at startups.com. You know, we made our kind of yep. hub in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and so only about 15% of our 200 person staff uh, is in Columbus. And as of now, this is kind of a funny moment in time. Uh, I'm sitting in our office. I'm the only person here, <laughs> literally the only person in the building, uh, and uh, that's all changed. And you know, our lease is up in a couple months, and uh, we're not coming back. Um, and we're not the only one. Most of my friends, you know, most of my founder friends right now are all in the same boat. They're all saying, uh, you know what? We kind of gave it a test. Um, we have the, the the finances to move back into our office. It just doesn't make sense. And so. Ryan, I think what's going to be really interesting, and I think it's so valuable to explore for founders, is this concept of of a small hub, uh, if it, if that's even necessary, but actually focusing on creating a distributed workforce, uh, so you can go to where the talent is and not be trying to fight for it in your uh, big city. Yeah, no, I, I think it makes a ton of sense. And and the other thing, I mean, there there's a there's a lot to be said for this. So when when you concentrate all of your your resources in one place. You benefit from the resources in that place, but if not all of your clients are are, are centered there, for example, um, you know if you do you know large scale enterprise work, uh, your clients probably aren't all in the same place. So you may even want Correct. to spread some of that concentration. Say like, okay, well let's let's be in Chicago, uh, let, let's let's be you know in San Francisco, let's be in LA, let's let's be in New York, um, let's be where our clients actually are. Right? Let's focus on 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 being proximal to the people that actually matters to. And so instead of just saying like, well, this is where we've built our density, um, we're just going to keep adding to the pile here. You can start to think about, well, where do we hire? Where do we place resources so that there's actually some benefit to the geography again, as opposed to just where do we find the talent? Um, and, you know, to, to circle back on this point of the talent, being able to kind of go where they want to now. For anybody who's already a proven talent, that's going to be really easy to do. They've earned the right to say that yes, I want to work with you. Yes, I, you know, I, 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 I want this opportunity with you. Um, but, but here's where I'm going to live. And for for proven talent, the employers won't have a problem with that, right? If you want to work with that person because they have a specific proven track record, do you really care where they live? Given that you're not going to have an office anyways, it takes that off the table, right? Which I think is really cool. Um, so yeah, I, I think that now rather than having to, for the talent to go where the jobs are or the jobs to locate where the talent are, we can just get back to being where we want or need to be and sorting out the rest of it. And I think that's going to become far, far easier, uh, given the changes that are being in, you know, kind of foisted upon us at this point. But, um, I think, I hope, uh, that we will come to accept this and actually embrace it and that, that things get better for people on the back end of this. Well, I I think there's a few things that are kind of undeniable that also accelerated things very quickly. I think you had an era that that moved from um, you know asynchronous communication through email to synchronous communication through Slack, yep, um, or you know other chat tools, et cetera, which I think really advanced uh, remote work in a dramatic way. Uh, and I always make the joke that 
you know, we live on, on Slack all day long, so much so that when we were at the office, you didn't even hear anybody ever talk. Like instead of talking to the person next to you, you just sent them Slack messages because you could do it while you're sending five other Slack messages at the same time. 100%. You and I sat so close together, we could touch each other. And yet I could count the number of words that passed audibly between us on one hand. <laughs> and it just, again, uh, you know, is that good or bad? Who knows? But as far as the moment you, you know, I went to California and you went to Guatemala, it changed nothing. We went from being, you know, a few right. feet apart to being thousands of miles apart and not a single thing changed. We were still only actually separated by milliseconds, right? Yeah, yeah. And so so I think that was dramatic. I think more so than anything with COVID, what just changed is the the, the rise of Zoom, you know, the, the rise of um of video conferencing and telepresence. And yep. whereas tons and tons of people would have been on the fence about it in one way, shape, or form, now it's become a de facto. Again, whether you like it or not. And so now we're in a place where uh folks if they haven't embraced it, they've been completely, you know, Luddites have been uh, disconnected from the world. Right. But I think at this point, if your collaboration tools are so implicit in how everyone uh, collaborates and, and, and works with each other, and they're all remote tools, I mean, right now, calling a meeting with humans seems, uh, again, COVID notwithstanding, seems like a huge waste of time. I can, I can get the same outcome in about nine minutes uh, over a Slack chat or a Zoom call, et cetera. Yeah. And so in the same way that sending an inner office memo or a letter feels like snail mail, feels like such a dated exchange, I think the, the premise of being in an office where everyone's working together to solve problems, just it ain't what it used to be. I enjoyed it while it lasted, but I, I can't give you a lot of good reasons why it's still relevant. You know what I mean? Well, you know, it, I think it's the social aspect of it. I mean, at the end of the day, humans are still very much social creatures. So the idea that we're all going to go to just like telepresence um, for our entire lives is, is is not going to happen. But and this is the this is the argument that I get back from people. You know, they're like, well, but isn't it harder to build camaraderie amongst the team? Isn't it harder to do this? Isn't it harder to do that? And I'm like, well, not necessarily. I mean, we, you're you're you flex the muscle of doing that in person for a lot longer, so you're better at it. Right. Um, but I can make the argument that you can do just as much remotely. The the other thing, and, and this this comes up uh, with with school as well, as we've gone through our explorations of of school and what we're going to do with school, and this was happening for us before. COVID, I mean, now it's very much like a, do we just go to homeschool, um, which we've done before. And one of the arguments that always comes up, and it's the same one that I'm facing now, you know, with company culture was that, well, what about the socialization? I, I, my, my response to that is always school is there to educate children about mathematics and, and grammar and, and science and many other things. I'm not leaning on them to socialize my children, right? That's my job and my social circle's job to socialize my kids. Um, and in the same way, if, you know, if socialization was the only reason you were having meetings at the company, um, then stop having meetings and start having social gatherings and actually enjoy the damn things and not feel like you're wasting time. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, we, there will be some difficulties around this and people will not just take to it like fish to water. Um, but I think to your point, we are already using all of these tools. It's going to come down to a matter of shifting how much time we're spending the tools uh, in the tools and, 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 you know, kind of what else gets replaced with them at this point. But it's not a, a full magnitude leap like it would have been 10 years ago. If this had happened 10 years ago, um, 
we'd all be shitting ourselves because we wouldn't we wouldn't be used to the tools. The stars aligned. We're already most of the way there. Yeah, the stars aligned. We'd already made most of the trip. Um, we were all almost to the destination anyways, and now it's been forced upon us. Um, but it's not like everybody had to run around and go, oh, like, oh my God, what do we do? We, we just use Zoom more, right? We just use Slack more. We use the telephone more, right? And, and that was it. So yeah. yeah, luckily we're in a position where we were primed for transition. I think what's so important to me, I think uh, as founders listening to this, I think what you should be thinking is not did we lose the office, Um, maybe. Uh, It's what did we gain out of this, right? Uh, 100%. Again, we gained so much more flexibility uh, with with our own company, with our own staff. We gave our staff uh, light years of of, uh, life back. Right. In other words, be able to spend with their family, their friends, et cetera, just do stuff around the house that they normally never get to do sleep in a day. You know, I don't know. Um, Wait, and what? I think for <laughs> I think for uh, a lot of the um, folks that are making this transition, give it a year or so, give it a year or so to realize that at first you're thinking about the things you don't have. And it'll quickly transition because, Ryan, you've been through it. I worked remotely when I was in uh, California. It'll quickly transition to. Look at all the things that I'd never want to give up again, like the you know the idea that that going back into an office or having to uh, pay the rates of a major city are never going to sound exciting again. You know what I mean? 